Hey, I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And we're kicking off a series uh, called Playlists. And the reason we're calling it Playlists is because some of you might not know this, but the book of Psalms is nothing more than heaven's hymn book. It's, you know, the worship choruses you find here are there's a good chance they're going to be sung in heaven, so let's get practicing now. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be uh, breaking, uh, we're going to be going through four, I think, significant psalms that speak to the human condition and offer us insight. The thing I love about the psalms, man, they are just raw. They just are real. And, and we're, going, we're going to jump in today. But, but let, me, let me begin by asking you, um, let me ask you a, a question. Are you happy all right, we got like two people. So maybe a better question would be this. Would the people who are closest to you, would they say, yeah, that, that's a happy person. That's a happy person. Okay, so, so the, the follow-up question is this. What makes you happy? Jesus. Jesus. All right, we got like, we got, we got some answers. Well, I'm going to break it down because actually, I'm, I, I actually think there's a lot of people in this room, you don't know what makes you happy. You're like, oh, we're in church. The answer to everything is Jesus. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're, we're, we're going to break this down today because I, I think that there are people in this room that would say, if you're going to be honest, you don't know what makes you happy. And here, here's why I say this, because you keep trying different things to make you happy. We can say we have the answer, Jesus, but hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Do we live? What, what, what is it that, that marks us? Because, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. Um, I, there, there are different groups here. First of all, I think that there are people here that you, you, you don't, know, don't know that. And, and what, what we've got to just acknowledge is that there are people you've never met in places you've never been to who are writing as, designing, shooting video, and they're creating commercials, and they're offering you something to buy into. And they're promising you that if you buy this, you drink this, you do this, you're going to be a happy person. And you know what I know is that, like a lot of us buy into that. The, the, the second thing, though, I think that there are people here, there's another group of people that you just forgot what makes you happy. And over the next few minutes, we're going to jump into this. And, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. Like, if you have your message guide, what you're going to notice is that uh, when I'm going through this, I, I started out because I wimped out and I changed happiness and I put in joy because, you know, there's this whole thing like joy is this, happiness is kind of like a superficial thing. But, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, even I, I called our media guy yesterday and I said, hey, you got to change it back to happiness because I, I, I'm not going to argue with Scripture. Because throughout Scripture... We, we find this term that shows up time and time again. It's called blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the man that does this. Blessed is this person. Blessed is that. And, and I, guys, I, I went, I dug again. And guys, there is no other way to put it. That word means happy. Not joy. Now, listen, joy is a great thing. We'll, we'll get to that some other time. But it means happily satisfied. Happy satisfaction. And guys, you know, I'm going to just tell you right now. I want to be happily satisfied. I think that's a good thing to aim for. And so we're going to jump into Psalm 1, and we're going to explore some, some things that get in the way of us having a proper definition of this word happiness. We're going to, we're going to look into uh, it, it really a, a true definition of this. I want us to, when we leave here today, to have a better understanding of, of what 
the blessed life, what a happy life as defined by God's word really is. And I, I want us, if we have a wrong definition, I want us with God's help to buy into the word's definition. And I want us to align ourselves with the word of God. You know, there's a, there's a theme that shows up, not just, you know, not just through the Bible, but it also shows, man, it shows up all through literature. And it's, it's, the, it's almost like this, there are two paths that we take. There are two paths that we take. Anybody remember, you know, that, that famous, uh, uh, well-known poem, poem you had to learn in literature, Robert Frost, Frost The Road Less Taken? Remember that, you remember that, that, that phrase that, that, that's there at the end? And, and I, I, really, I really like this. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You see, the path that you choose makes the difference especially when it comes to our understanding of the blessed life, especially when it comes to experiencing the blessed life. And I want to talk about that today because in, in, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus preaches his, his most well-known uh, message. It's called Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you know, it's what it's known by, but it's in Matthew 5 through 7. And, and the guys that, that are a lot smarter than I am, you know, that, that, that have studied this and I've studied this, believe that this is an exposition. What he is teaching is an exposition on Psalm 1. He's actually using Psalm 1 as a starting point for, for what he's teaching. And one of the things that he says in, in chapter 7, verse 13, what, what, what Jesus does is he says that there is a narrow, uh, there's a wide gate and there's a narrow gate. He says there's a wide gate. Uh, he said the gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. But then in verse 14, he introduces us to another way. He said that there's a narrow gate and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. And it's interesting, and I, I would challenge you that as you go into this week, man, study through Psalm 1, study through, through Matthew 5 through 7 and look at how these sync together. Because the blessed life is the happy life. The happy life is the blessed life. And so I want us to look today and understand the difference between the two paths that were introduced. We're going to read the entire chapter of Psalm 1, all six verses. <laughs> blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor, seats in the, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I like this line in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so, so what, what we see here are, are two ways. There's the way of the righteous, there's the way of the wicked. We, we, we see that there's a, there's a description of the blessed life, the, the happy life. And, and, and so, so what I want us to do, based on what we've just read, I want to make this big claim, and then we're going to break this down and explore this. And so what I want us to understand this morning, if you are here, um, I, I want you to just write this down. If you're taking notes, you got your app, whatever. If you're online, man, just, just, just hang with me. Here's, here's a big claim that I'm making. Happiness is possible. Happiness in this life is possible. 
Now, again, we have different beliefs. Like there's some people that, that you're like, okay, you're like happiness is like a natural thing. It's just the default. It's who I am. You like wake up and you're like, woohoo, life is good. You're a freak, but hey, listen, we love you anyway. <laughs> now I'm teasing. No, no, you know, you know, there's that, there's that side. But, but then I think there's another extreme that, that you don't believe that happiness is achievable. And, and maybe that's because you've been through great seasons, dark seasons. Man, you've walked the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you've been betrayed. You've, you've faced great tragedy and, and you're like, there is no way, there is absolutely no way that happiness can be achieved this side of heaven. Now, there are some of you, there's another group of you that, that are like, you don't even think about it because you just live. Man, you got things you got to get done today. You got a to-do to to -do list. You've got a job. You've got a job description. There are things you're doing. You're, you're saving for retirement. In fact, your idea of happiness just comes every once in a while when you think of retirement. You're like, when I get there, whew, then I can dream, then I can breathe. Retirement is where it's at. And th those of you that are retired are like, yeah, right. I uh, got there. But then there's a fourth group of people that I'm hoping by the time we leave here today, there's more of us when we leave than when we came in. And that's people who understand that happiness is neither natural nor unachievable, yet because of the path of the wise, the path of righteousness, we'll find out that happiness can be achieved here now as we walk the path of the wise. And so there are three things that I want us to understand about a biblical definition of happiness. I want us to understand this as we dive in this morning. And the first thing that I, that I wanna look at in response to what we're reading here is this. Happiness comes from within, not without. Happiness comes from within, not without. Okay, so I, so I love verse three. I like the analogy the psalmist uses here. The blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. And I like this analogy of the tree. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not an arborist. Like, I, I, I worked in the Walmart lawn and garden uh, department when I was like 16, gave people terrible advice. Like, they're still trying to figure out why. He said this was an annual, and yet it's a perennial. And then other people are like, man, there's something wrong with my flower. You know, I, I'm like the worst. So, so like when I plant stuff, like people have green thumbs, not me. Like I have the thumb of death. I will kill just any, anything. So, so like, when, like when I talk about trees, all right, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So like when I start talking, if you come back to me, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna be like, yeah, you're right, I don't, okay? But I like this concept because there are a few basic things that I understand about trees. First of all, I understand that, that trees go through seasons, Right? They go through winter, spring, summer, fall. They go, they go through seasons. And so, so trees are subject to these different seasons, which means that, 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 that a tree and, and what it does and, and how it appears, it looks different from season to season. A, a, a tree isn't always blossoming, Right? And you, like some of you are like, you know, you have an exception that you're going to like, no, there's a tree. Just shut up. You know what I'm talking about, all right? I'm talking about, in average, a tree that isn't always blossoming. A tree is not always producing fruit. 
And so I, so I think it's good that, that we understand this because what I, what I see about this tree, it says that it, that it produces fruit, but here's the key thing, in its season, which implies that there are other seasons in which it's not fruitful. And yet, for many of us, we've bought into this idea that, that happiness is always tied to our performance, to our fruitfulness. And, and if I'm not producing fruit, what's wrong with me? And we have deep angst about this. But, but notice the, the significance of what's going on here. This tree is planted by streams of water. Its roots are running down to life-giving water, even during distressing seasons, even during drought, even during frigid water, w- winter. So, so for instance, like in our backyard, we've got a tree. And if you look at it in winter, you're like, cut that tree down. That is the ugliest tree. That is a dead, that is a dead tree. No sign of life whatsoever. No, in fact, there, there, there were, like, after we first planted, I told Laura, I was like, man, I think, I, it, was a little, it was a thumb of death, man. I killed that tree. She's like, give it time. But you look at it, it, it doesn't look as alive. Now, in spring, man, it's, it's, a, it's a flowering pear. It's beautiful. It blooms it has white blossoms, and man, there are bees all over the place, and, and it's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful tree in blooming season, but in winter, you look at it, and you're like, there's something wrong with that tree. But here's the deal, and I, man, I think, I think of this. I was thinking of this whole thing of being blessed and the happy life. Many times, we tie happiness to what we see, but what we see is not all there is. There are times we can look at something and we can declare something dead that is not dead. Trees go through seasons. And you see, when we look to a season, when we think that, that life only comes in spring and summer, well, what we miss is that happiness does not come from externals. If you seek it in things or if you seek it in circumstances or anything else, you're going to miss it because real happiness is found under you, inside you, where your roots are. You see, what Scripture consistently reveals to us is that a a follower of Christ is not just a religious person, not just a nice person, not just a person who does nice things. It's a person who has come to life, who's been radically changed. God, God brings this person to life. It's someone who has been planted and rooted into something other than himself or, or herself. And, and, and this is the reason why Jesus talked about new birth to Nicodemus in John 3. This is why, the, man, all through Scripture, it uses this analogy of new birth. I love Second Peter, what, the way Peter puts it. He says, we are made partakers of the divine nature. And what this means is that something has been planted from the outside into us. Something has become part of us. We are rooted into God which means something amazing has happened because here's what I know about trees. They don't plant themselves. Trees just don't plant themselves. They're, they are planted. And, and what I love about this, something has come and planted you in and now there is life and there is power that was not there before. You are now a tree with roots that are running down to water. And here's, what, here's another thing I know about trees. Trees experience affliction. They, they go through, through hard things. They are hurt, and the reality is trees are affected by it. Trees don't always bear fruit. And, and I think we can miss this because, again, we, th- we think that happiness is circumstantial. The blessed life is, is tied to how my life is going. And we, we think that, that happiness is impossible when I'm going through tragedy or I'm going through times of great suffering, and that is just not the case. 
In fact, one of the greatest, man, if, if you're going through seasons of, of drought, if you will, you're going through deep pain, you, you're going through times of loss and, and suffering, man, I challenge you, just write it down. Read the letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter. It's one of the, it doesn't always explain the why, but it does deal with, man, how do I live? How can suffering be part of God's plan? What does this look like? Man, I, 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 man just dig deep into this. But, but, but I like what 1 Peter 1, 6, the way he puts it, he said, in essence, we rejoice in God even though we are heavily burdened by great trials. And he doesn't say we rejoice in God because we've come past the trials. He doesn't say that we rejoice in God because we've avoided trials. No, it's, just, it's like crazy. We don't, because if we have the wrong definition, we're going to miss this. He says though we rejoice while we are burdened with great trials. How's this even possible? Look at, look at Psalm 1. The roots run deep. They run to water. The tree can be hurt. The tree can, can to, to use this analogy, be grieved, but yet it's not withering. It's not dying. I'm not done because my roots are deep into something else. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a pet peeve, and I'm going to just share it. And my pet peeve is this. The people that buy into this whole thing that if I grieve or I mourn or whatever, that it just means I'm unspiritual in some way. I just need a plaster smile on my face and I'm going to tough through it. Everything's good. Dude, that is jacked up. First of all, it's radically unhealthy, but it's also radically unspiritual. We have an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations for crying out loud right? Mourning and grief and suffering and all that. It is part of the biblical narrative. The only problem is in the Western church, we've actually gone away from this and we, we just, we want to sing all these happy choruses. In fact, a song that I just hate, I'm, a, I'm literally, I'm getting ready to offend somebody because you love the songs. One of your favorite songs, entire world. I'm happy in the Lord anyway. And it really doesn't matter what comes my way today. I'm going to wear a smile, hold my head up high and say, I'm happy in the Lord anyway. Baloney. <laughs> now there's a hat. Now I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about, listen, there is a happiness that goes with grief, but not, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna act like nothing bothers me. Come on. Are you kidding me? Some of you know this. My grandpa died this week. And yeah, you know what? It sucks. I don't like it. Now, am I happy for him? Yes. Thank God he's in heaven. I, I, I praise God for that. But can I tell you what? It hurts. There is, there is pain. Now, now, I don't grieve as those who have no hope. I know I'm going to see my grandfather again. But can I tell you that there is, there is pain associated with this. But, but, but what you find when your roots run deep, listen, if you're going through suffering, you'll find as, as, as we don't buy into the world's definition of happiness, we don't go down a, a worldly way to define this. We, what we find, because I don't understand this, but it's true. Joy, deep, our joy, our happiness is deepened by suffering. I don't want suffering. You don't want suffering. But when we suffer, you know what we find out? We find out what our roots run to. 
We find out what it is that is giving us life. Even in dryness, my leaf does not wither. And so the happiness the Bible's talking about is not, it's not some superficial happiness. It's a fundamental happiness. We are rooted. It's not a lightheartedness, ha, 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 everything's good. Let me just fake it till I make it type of, type of thing. No, that's fake. No, it's real. It's, it's, it's grieving, but yet having this deep settled peace and a satisfaction that God is still God, even when I'm hurting. This is, this is the beauty. This is the blessed life. You see this, this joy and grief, this happiness that I'm talking about, it comes from what our roots run to. Happiness comes from within, not without. You see, if we seek happiness in our circumstances, we will not find happiness, which takes me to, my, to, to, to the next point, and that's this. Happiness is a byproduct Happiness is a byproduct. And what I mean by that is if we chase happiness, we'll never find it. Happiness won't be found if it's the end. Happiness comes from, from searching for and, some, and, and finding something more than happiness. And again, in, in, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus does such a great job of breaking this down. What does he say in, in chapter 6? For those that, that, you know, they're like, if I, man, if I have clothes, if I have food, if I have housing and all this stuff, then I'm going to be happy. Well, what does he say? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You seek those things, you miss out on the happiness. You seek righteousness, you find happiness. And, and what I love about Psalm 1 is it introduces us to the two different paths. The two different ways we can approach this, either chasing happiness or chasing righteousness. Look at verse 2. It looks at this happy man, the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. And I've, I've, I've thought about this week. What am I chasing? You see, before I ever get up here and talk, I've got to answer some of these questions myself. I've got to wrestle through this. Man, what am I, what am I chasing? I think there are two great questions every person ought to ask themselves. What am I living for and who am I living for? Those are two great questions. What am I living for? Who am I living for? I was at a, at a funeral not too long ago, and one of the, one of the speakers at the funeral uh, introduced a book. I, I hadn't, he referenced a book. I hadn't read it. After the funeral, I went and, and I, bu I bought the book. It's, it's by David Brooks. It's called The Road to Character. And David Brooks is not a, is not a Christian. But interesting, uh, is, as he's explaining something, he, he uses uh, two different people, Adam 1 and Adam 2. And, and he's using this whole thing. He looks at the two different virtues there, and, and we chase one or the other. Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And a lot of times, what defines us many times is the res, or what consumes us is the resume virtues. If I accomplish this, Yes, then I'm happy. If I can finally get here, I've arrived. Those things that look great on a resume, those things that in the eyes of others, when they look at us, they're like, that person is making something of himself. That's a go-getter. That's somebody that, man, they're a real leader. They're, they're a productive person. We, way too often, are consumed with resume virtues. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with success. I believe strongly that excellence glorifies God and inspires people. I'm all, I'm all for that. But, but when we make that the focus and, and we tie to that, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, that if I have this, then I'll be happy, finally I'll be happy, we set ourselves up for disappointment. 
You see, there are resume virtues, but then there are eulogy virtues. What are eulogy virtues? They're not so much about what you do. They're more about who you are. It's not so much about the tangible. Many times it has to do with the intangibles. So, for instance, let, 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 me, let me reference my grandpa. Guys, throw the picture up on the screen. The nice thing about being a pastor, I just get to kind of process things out loud. So, this is my grandpa, okay? Man, this, this guy, man, ever since I've known him, he smiled. He just grins all the time. He doesn't talk. He's really quiet. He, he doesn't uh, say a lot. He, he loves he loved corny jokes. I'm telling you, corny jokes were his. Like the dad joke, man, he like invented it, the dad joke. But, but, but here's the thing. I, I told you a few weeks ago, this guy was not perfect. A few, a few weeks ago, I shared the story about how my, my, my grandpa, he, man, he struggled. He, did not have, he didn't know how to ever let my dad know how proud he was of him, to, to let him know he was loved and, and all that. And he, re, he wrestled with that. But what I saw, this is amazing. Even as a, as a young man, and a, a boy and then a teenager, I, I watched God in his grace continue his work of sanctifying and softening my grandfather. And, and it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. But, but I, I was thinking of this. I, I found out that uh, I'm going to be uh, sharing his obituary and then giving a eulogy at his, at his funeral this week. But my dad said something that really stood out to me that I think is, is an example of the blessed life. Because here's what you got to know. This guy is not leaving me a dime. He's not a rich guy. He's not leaving me a million dollars, anything like that. Okay? There's, there's nothing. He's not leaving me anything when it comes to tangible. But what he's left, a legacy, is a powerful thing. In fact, my dad put it this way. He said, I can never remember a day that my dad wasn't fervently following Jesus. And, and a lot of times we would say, well, yeah, but what did you leave? What are you going to get from him? You know, I, I don't need the tangible. What he has passed on is what I need. Can I tell you this? It's what you need. It's, 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 it's a legacy that is defined by a, it's, it just, it, it's defined by a definition of, of happiness that is real, that is anchored in what is true, not in what is defined by the world, seek happiness or seek righteousness. I have a legacy of righteousness. And you might, you might be like, well, I, I don't have that. But my question is personal to you, okay? So you weren't, nobody passed it on to you, but what are you living for? Who are you living for? Are, do you understand, what, what is the blessed life? And are you passing on the legacy? Are you leaving that legacy of the blessed life? Seek righteousness or seek happiness. You know, it's interesting. If you seek righteousness, you get both righteousness and happiness. If you seek happiness, you get neither righteousness nor happiness. Isn't that interesting? And I, I think this is why Psalm 1 is so foundational. In fact, many people call Psalm 1, it's the, it's the gateway to the Psalms. It, because this whole theme of, of blessing and the blessed life and, and, and happy is the man, it, it shows up time and time again in the Psalms. And what we know is, is if you make your happy marriage, if you make a happy marriage your number one priority, you're never going to have it. I got an amen there. It was really quiet, but I, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> if you make your number one priority a successful career, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become so anxious, you're going to choke the life out of it. 
I've had people tell me, it's like, man, I want to hold on to this moment. I want this moment to last forever. And as soon as you say that, you pollute it. You pollute it because happiness is, is not the end of anything. Seek first the righteousness of God. In fact, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to write down this big point. I want you to catch this. I'm going to say it twice to make sure you get it. Happiness is only found by coming to God with no conditions, obeying him and delighting in him with no exceptions. Let me say it again. Happiness is only found by coming to God with no conditions, obeying him and delighting in him with no exceptions. Is God committed to our happiness? Absolutely. For the person that says, God is not committed to your happiness, but he's committed to your holiness. It's not true. I mean, it's true that he's committed to our holiness. But, but if he wasn't committed to our happiness, we wouldn't have all of this teaching on the blessed life, what this looks like. But what God knows and what he wants us to understand is that the definition of the blessed life is not the lie that we've bought into. You see, there are two paths. Which path are we going to take? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so we come to God not saying, hey, God, give me happiness. Because if we come to God saying, give me happiness, we've made him an idol. He's not our butler. But it's when we understand who he is, who we are, and we just come to him because he owns us. And we say, God, I want you to be the center. You're at the heart of this. We experience the blessed life. Happiness is not an end. Happiness is a byproduct. The last thing I want to leave you with is this. It's laying the plane. Happiness, though, results from the path we choose. I want to come back to this path thing. Happiness results from the path we choose. Are we going to choose the way of the wicked or are we going to choose the way of the blessed? I want you to notice this interesting progression that's here in, in verse 1. Look at this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Before he ever gets to he's a tree and he meditates and all that sort of thing, he gives us the picture of what it's not. And so, so, so what, what, this, this path of wickedness begins by being under the influence of the wicked, allowing them to define what life is, allowing, allowing the world, if you will, to define what true happiness is. This is it. And it moves from that to then standing in the way of sinners, finding more in common. I align myself with this. This is what I'm going to go for. This is what I'm going to pursue. Which, if we stay on that path, guys, I don't know how to put it, we end up sitting in the seat of the scornful where the one who received the wicked counsel becomes the one giving the wicked counsel. In Semitic language, where you sit is where you belong. Which means if you sit with men, you sit with the Greeks, you sit with the Romans, you sit with the slaves, you sit with who you are. It's kind of like a high school ca cafeteria, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where I sit is who I am. Where are you sitting? At, at wave camp last weekend, our youth camp, Matt said something Sunday night, man, it resonated with me. And I told him, I said, I don't know if this is your point, but I said... Man, it resonated. He said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And he said, you know, he said, already in these, these, three, these two and a half days we've been at youth camp, he said, I've noticed, I've noticed that kids that love basketball, you've already found the other kids you didn't know, but they love basketball too. You guys have already found each other. Those of you that, that you came looking for a relationship, you found the other people looking for a relationship. 
He said, I've noticed too that those of you that want to live in rebellion against God, you you found the other kids that showed up who are living in rebellion against God. And he said, but on the good side, he said, I've noticed that those of you that have a heart for God, you found those that have a heart for God. You see, where you sit many times identifies who you are. And this is why it's so, we've got to understand that everyone has to be converted. We have to be changed. We don't naturally choose the path of wisdom. We just don't. We have to experience this new birth, this new life. It's this realization that, that something other than God owns me. But this change happens when we delight in the law of the Lord. And when the psalmist writes this, he wasn't saying, I delight in all of uh, the rules and, and the regulations, and that's why I like it. No, because all, all the psalmist had at this point was what God gave the children of Israel, which is known as the law. He's just saying, I delight in your word. I delight in who it reveals you to be. I, I delight in what it says to me and in the direction that it provides me. Man, for us today, we have, we have the, the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. What it means for us is, is delighting in the essential message of the Bible, which really is the gospel. This great and powerful message that God sent his son to die for you, die for me, so that, that this good, great God can become our father, so we can sing that song, I really am, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God. And, and, and it goes from this, this delight in God's word to the talk about the tree, so we got to understand in the context. What is the water that the roots are running down to? It's the word of God. I delight in this. This is what gives me life. And you know, it's interesting. It, it, it hit me last Sunday. I, I forgot all about this. Um, last, last Sunday, it was August 1st of 2011, I came to Grace. It was, t- it was my 10-year anniversary of being pastor at Grace last Sunday. And I had lunch with, with somebody recently, and they asked, me, they asked me this question. They said, what have you learned in 10 years? I'm like, that's a huge question. Because so I said, there's a lot that I've learned, but it made me think about this. And even as I was preparing the message, what, what, what hit me was, was this. What, what I thought was really important when I came to grace, I think has changed. And God in his grace has changed me because I'm an achiever by nature. If you know me, I'm competitive. Like if we play games, I'll be nice, but inside I'm just dying. I just want to thump you into the ground. That is just how, who I am. I'm just, I, I, that's, that's, that's how I'm wired, okay? And, and so, so I'm, I'm an achiever. And so when I, when I came to grace, it was all about, man, let's, let's build a church. Let's, let's, let's reach more people. Let's, let's have great programs. Let's do all of this. And, and listen, man, I'm all for excellence. You got to know I'm all in on that. I hate, listen, holy shoddy is still shoddy, right? So I'm not, I'm not into like, oh, it doesn't matter. No, but, but what I found is that, that my happiness, the blessed life is not found in achievements. Even if, listen to me, even if those achievements are for God or in the name of God. Here's what I found. Happiness and satisfaction has just been found in a simple, a simple thing of loving God, his word, and loving people. It's actually really simple. It's been this weird thing where at, at the end of the day, in fact, somebody asked, they, you know, when they asked, the, you know, what have you learned? I, I said this, and I, I don't want to, I don't ever want to do this. I pray that I, I die right here on this platform. Where, you know, that'd be kind of traumatizing for you, but great for me. But, but, my, but I said, I said what, what it's revealed is I could walk away from being pastor of grace tomorrow, and it would not change 
my satisfaction, my happiness. Because it's not found in my title. It's not found in my achievements. Happiness is found only in God, in his word. And I'm telling you guys, it sounds so simple, but it's the blessed life. My question is, are you happy? Do you know what makes you happy? Because you see it has very tangible impact on your life. In fact, uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, in reference to my grandpa again, I told you, you know, that was one thing. He just struggled. He could not get the words out to tell my dad I'm proud of you or anything like that. And uh, that, that night I was, I was in bed and uh, my son Trey walked in the room and I could tell he wanted to, he wanted to say something because first of all, he didn't walk in. I'm, I'm laying there watching Law and Order. I, I have determined I'm getting through all 24 seasons of Law and Order if it kills me. And I'm like on season 12 and I'm gonna be like 90 years old and I'm like, I am like, my face is right. I'm gonna finish this. So he walks in and he's like, hey, what you doing? Watching Law and Order? I'm like, yeah. And I just hit pause. I'm like, because you don't do that. I'm like, what's up, man? I said, you want to talk? He's like, yeah. He said, I just... So I just came in and, I mean, I always struggle sharing this stuff because it's a lot easier for me to share the screw-ups because, man, I've screwed up so many times. But this was something different. It's probably top three moments of my life. He said, Dad, he said, that, that whole thing about, that you talked about today about, uh, about grandpa not ever saying those, those words to your dad. He said, man, he said, I just wanted to tell you, thanks for, thanks for, for breaking the cycle. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't ever have to say that to my kids. And I told him, I said, man, listen, dude, I said, that's, you don't know how much that means to me. I said, but you got to know, man, that's not who I am. And I want you guys to know this, man. It's, uh, if, please know that's not a self-serving story because that's not who I am. But God does such a good job of changing a person that he can break a cycle now, here's the deal, man. I, I tell that. My grandpa's in heaven. I'm so thankful. I do not say anything to speak ill of the dead. Listen, he was a great man. But guys, if, allowing your roots to run deep to what really matters allows you to do things that aren't natural. It gives you words and you speak words you wouldn't normally speak. You do things you wouldn't normally do. Can, again, the blessed life. You have a happiness that does not make sense when the world looks at things. But our happiness is not tied to circumstances. Our happiness, the blessed life, comes from delighting in the law of God, his word, and letting it change us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that we think are important, they'll be added. We'll find happiness and satisfaction. My question today as we close is this. Which path 
have you chosen? And if you're on the wrong path, it's never too late. Today is the day of salvation to choose the path of wisdom, to experience the blessed life. And Father, as we leave here today, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to change me and to challenge me. And God, thanks for not giving up on me. You're not just a God of second chances, but like 230 second chances and 1,747 chances and all that. Your grace is so amazing. God, I want to thank you that you teach us and you never stop, but God, you've given us your word and it gives us, it gives us the pathway to happiness. Happiness is possible. Yeah, it's not natural, but God, neither is it unachievable. Happiness is found in the way of the wise, the one who delights in you, delights in your word, whose roots run deep. And so Lord, for those that are here today, that are hurting, that are struggling, that maybe have given up on experiencing happiness, may they understand that happiness is not circumstantial. Happiness is fundamental. Our roots running deep to you, your word. And so, God, I just pray that you continue your work of changing us. If there's somebody that's on the wrong path, I pray in this moment, dear God, that you would do a work, that there would be conversion, that you would open their eyes, that they would repent, they would turn to you. I believe you can do that. I know you will do this. And, dear God, I want to thank you for what you're doing even as I speak. And so, God, may we go as people, people of your word. Bless people because we're your children. May we live the happy life and embrace what you've given us. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Okay, so here's your homework. As you leave, two things this week. Read Psalm 1, read Matthew 5 through 7, put them together and see what that teaches you about the good life. Guys, go with God. He is for you. He is with you. We'll see you next Sunday.